Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians broadcast. I'm your host, founder and ministry leader, Brandon Dawson. Now, I will be reading the second part and the conclusion of this two-part series from my book of the Northeast Coast Prophecies. So if you have not heard part one yet, you're going to want to take a listen to that first, which I'll include the link to it in the About section so you can tune in there first. Now let's begin. Chapter 5, The Adversary Revealed Our stay at the Ocean View Hotel was a constant trial, both mentally and physically. Every day drained us of every ounce of energy we had. We endured scratches, chokings, pushes, slaps, objects moving independently, and extreme temperature fluctuations from cold to unbearable heat. We resorted to sleeping during the day, and staying awake at night with the lights constantly on. The assaults escalated with striking regularity, most notably at specific conjunctures of the day, precisely at 3 p.m. and 3 a.m. This consistent pattern was no arbitrary phenomenon. Instead, it transpired following a rigid three-day cycle. We discovered an intriguing correlation as we delved further into this mysterious chain of events. These intensifying attacks were synchronized with the appearance of three distinct scratch marks whose profound symbolism soon became clear to us. These marks were not random scarrings, but appeared to bear a deep-rooted connotation. They were intended as a mockery imitation of the Holy Trinity. These mockings' representation was aimed at the Holy Spirit as if to challenge its divine authority and presence. This pattern, along with its sacrilegious implication, was a startling revelation, casting a new, ominous light on the escalating series of attacks we witnessed. We were completely baffled about why these occurrences were happening, and we were too frightened and ashamed to confine in anyone. We did our best with our limited knowledge and experiences mainly derived from horror movies, which offered no effective remedies and only came with their own set of consequences. Tiffany and I tried every possible solution that we can think of. We purchased multiple cross necklaces and crucifixes, strategically placing the necklaces on the ceiling pipes where hanging the crosses on each wall, hoping to ward off the attacks. We recited every prayer and blessing that we could find online, desperately seeking divine intervention. One incident lingered in my memory aiming this escalating series of chilling events. It was a stifling quiet night, the stillness that preludes a storm as though the world held its breath in apprehensive anticipation. Tiffany, her face bathed in the pale ghostly glow of the moonlight filtering through the lone window, was fast asleep in her corner of the room. Above her makeshift bed, her cross necklace dangled delicately from an exposed pipe a symbolic guardian against the unexplainable phenomenon plaguing us. Suddenly, without a hint of warning, an unseen force violently seized the room's tranquility. The cross necklace, which had until now remained stationary in the oppressive stillness of the room, started to 
gyrate dramatically in a wide frantic circles. It swung back and forth like a crazed pendulum, its shadow cast upon the walls in a chaotic dance of fear and disbelief. The room's silence was broken only by a metallic whispering of the chain brushing against the cold rusty pipe, a chilling reminder of the inexplainable events in our humble abode. It's important to note that the room lacked any potential triggers for such an occurrence. No ceiling fans were rolling above us, and no window units humming steadily in the background. The window was securely shut, excluding any possibility of a rogue gust of wind or draft causing the necklace's unsettling acrobatics. And then, with a suddenness that was as shocking as its onset, the chain detached itself from the pipe, hurling through the room before clattering to rest on the far side. The necklace's journey through the still, hot air of the room seemed almost to slow down time itself. Tiffany, startled awake by the chain's clattering landing, sat upright, her eyes wide with a mix of confusion and fear. The disbelief etched on her face mirrored my feelings as I tried to make sense of what had just transpired. That night marked a turning point, a drastic escalation of the attacks we tried so hard to understand and counter if possible. The inexplainable, the unimaginable was happening right before our eyes, and the boundaries of reality were blurring more with each passing incidence. We were dwelling in a place of the bizarre, even more the simplest things bore an undercurrent of unearthly mysteries. Our settling experiences with this spectral world were not confined to the boundaries of our hotel room. They followed us like an ominous shadows, leaking into every facet of our lives. As we navigated the vibrant, bustling community outside the hotel, it was as if we had become magnets to inexplainable occurrences and individuals, manifestations of some unseen malicious energy that seemed to find a perverse joy in unsettling us. In one harrowing encounter, an elderly homeless woman, frail and gnarled by time and circumstances, entered our lives. The gravity of the encounter was only accentuated by the paradoxical aurora surrounding her, a mix of vulnerability and an eerie sense of intimidation. Her eyes were murky pools of wisdom and spite, filled with decades of bitterness and a profound understanding of the world's harsh realities. She singled out Tiffany from the crowd, slowly shuffling towards her with a crooked gait, her attention fixated on the cross necklace Tiffany wore around her neck. The same necklace had silently witnessed our unearthly experiences and the central figure of the stage incident that had recently shaken us. Leaning in, the elderly woman unleashed a chilling sneer, her voice carrying an unnatural rasp as she openly derided Tiffany's necklace. Such a blatant display of faith. Don't you feel any shame, girl? The streets filled with their unusual hum seemed to quieten as those words echoed through the air. Ironically, this very necklace symbolized our struggle against the otherworldly forces in our lives, an emblem of faith in the face of fear, a silent guardian that held far more significance than just being an adornment. Tiffany, however, remained unfazed. Meeting the old woman's spiteful gaze with a serene look, she responded boldly, Shame? No. I wear this as a testament to my faith, which remains unwavering despite adversity. Her voice was calm yet resolute, 
an oasis of tranquility amidst the turbulent sea of unsettling occurrences. The necklace continued to rest against her chest, a quiet assertion of her unyielding belief. Even in the face of mockery and supernatural terror, Tiffany stood her ground, her faith becoming an insurmountable fortress against the mysterious forces we found ourselves contending with. We frequently visited the Catholic Church, collecting bottles of holy water to bring back to our room. We diligently prayed over the space daily, anointing the walls, windows, and doors with holy water, and even mopping the floor with it. However, these efforts seem to have minimal effect, serving mainly as a glimmer of hope amid our desperate circumstances. We also attempted using candles and holy scented incense, but they had no discernible impact. After three long weeks, I managed to secure a temporary job as a security guard while continuing the search for a permanent apartment. It felt like a small victory, a sign that there might be light at the end of this terrifying tunnel. One evening, I had a vivid and terrifying dream. In the dream, I witnessed a fearsome red beast with claws and iron teeth standing ominously at the doorway of our room. The temperature dropped and darkness enveloped the space. The beast entered and attacked Tiffany, prompting me to rise and confront it through prayer. And as I prayed, a sudden blinding light filled the room. An angel of the Lord emerged from the light, wielding a flaming sword and positioned himself between Tiffany, myself, and the beast. Towering at least nine or ten feet tall, the angel had long jet black hair, piercing flaming eyes, and wore a shimmering breastplate adorned with countless diamonds. In response to the beast's horrifying screech, the angel identified himself as Gabriel and reassured me saying, Do not be afraid. Terrified and shocked, I stood in fear, overwhelmed by the angel's presence. I could barely utter a word. I managed to ask why these events were happening to us, and Gabriel revealed that they were a test appointed by the Lord preparing us for even more significant challenges to come. He assured me that the attacks were ending and that we would be safe, free from further worry. With that, I woke up. The following morning, I went to work as usual, dismissing the dream as a mere figment of my imagination. However, upon arriving at the 116th Street subway station after work, I was astounded to find Tiffany anxiously waiting for me on the bench. Typically, she would spend her days away from the room to avoid being subjected to the attacks, and we would meet up after work to eat elsewhere. As I approached her, I could sense that something was wrong. Her face bore a look of terror and extreme fear. She proceeded to recount what had occurred. Tiffany had gone out to do laundry around 2.30 that afternoon. While waiting for her laundry, she returned to the room to collect a few more items, unaware that it was already 3 p.m. when the attacks would typically happen. She couldn't recall falling asleep, but when she woke up, she witnessed the exact incident I had dreamt of the night before. She saw the beast I had described and it attacked her left leg. She showed me the wounds, three large burnt marks that bled, earning them the nickname Monster Scar. We hurried back to the room to clean and bandage her wounds, and upon opening the door, I was horrified by the scene before me. 
The room lay in complete disarray as if a tornado had ripped through it. Our clothes, belongings, bags, and suitcases were strewn everywhere, creating a chaotic mess. To our astonishment, our shoes and various items had been arraigned in a peculiar line across the floor, reminiscent of a scene from the movie Poltergeist. The cross necklace had been forcefully turned, torn from the positions, and I asked Tiffany what had happened. Tiffany then recounted an encounter with an angel in her dream, confirming that it had also appeared and saved her from the beast. When she inquired about the identity of the creature and the reasons behind these events, the angel disclosed that it was Lucifer himself. According to the Archangel Gabriel, in 2012, demonic sacrificial rituals were performed throughout New York City and Rockaway, particularly tied to abortion and child sacrifice. These events would later play a significant role in the revelations of 2019 and 2020 as detailed in this book. Our hotel room on 160 116th Street had unwittingly became a gateway and access point for Lucifer to enter as one of the rituals had taken place within its confounds in our very room in the previous Halloween. Since then, Satan had gained a foothold in the nation setting into motion a series of events that ultimately led to the current state of affairs, starting with the Obama administration and continuing under the Biden administration. Satan's malevolent orchestration extended even to natural disasters as if to demonstrate the far-reaching power of his spite. In the display of such cruel manifestations, the devastating Hurricane Sandy dubbed the Superstorm ravaged New York and Rockaway on October 29, 2012. Striking just three days before the chilling festival of Halloween, this fierce maelstorm inflicted catastrophic damage, particularly on the communities residing in the Rockaways. The once vibrant neighborhoods were transformed into haunting landscapes of destruction, underlining the extent of a devastation orchestrated by Satan's unseen hand. Yet the hurricane was not only instrument of Satan's malice. A mere two days before the storm's onset, the lead pastor of our church was subjected to an appalling calamity. A ferocious fire consumed his residence, a horrifying spectacle that resulted in severe burns covering one-third of his body. It was a chilling scene that underscored the unforgiving nature of the forces that we were contending with. In an even more tragic turn of events, the gasoline incident had been preceded by another heart-wrenching event just two days before the fire. The pastor had been dealt a heavy blow, the loss of his father. His death's harsh punctuation to the tragic events further amplified the sorrow over our community. All these incidents threaded together by the common element of Satan's brutality and evil painted a vivid picture of the menacing foe that we were up against. Each disaster and loss was a chilling testament to the strength and reach of the nefarious forces that revealed in sowing chaos and despair among the faithful. It was as if Lucifer, in his infernal wisdom, possessed knowledge about us that we were yet to comprehend, a foreboding testament of the divine anointing that would eventually descend upon our lives. This anointing was destined to witness an astonishing array of visions, revelations, and prophecies all of which were shrouded in mystery at that time hidden from our understanding. However, our trials and tribulations hinted at the magnitude of the spiritual battles 
that awaited us. 2012 was a whirlwind of torment for Tiffany, with her being the focus of Lucifer's evil plot. Among her life-threatening adversities was a formidable brain disorder known as hydrocephalus. The unusual fluid buildup in her brain generated an alarming pressure that urgently required a complex surgical intervention. The initial encounter with the operating table was more than just a close call with mortality. It was a fleeting journey into the realm of the departed. Tiffany's life force had seemingly been extinguished, an act that appeared to be Lucifer's triumphant claim over her existence. Her body lay motionless, unresponsive for a horrifying 45 minutes that felt like an eternity. One of the country's most revered surgeons was staring at what seemed to be an irreversible loss. Yet in defiance against Lucifer's apparent victory, this dedicated neurosurgeon refused to accept defeat. With his exceptional skills and unwavering determination, he breathed life back into Tiffany, pulling her back from the grasp of death. Miraculously, despite her prolonged period of lifelessness, Tiffany suffered no permanent brain damage except for a void in her memory spanning two months. During this tumultuous time, Tiffany still had yet to find her faith in the Lord. In addition to this death-defying brain surgery, Tiffany faced a gauntlet of health adversities that felt like Lucifer's relentless onslaught. The torment of epileptic seizures became a frequent nocturnal horror, a sight I had to endure night after distressing night. Vision loss impaired her perception of depth and peripheral eyesight, and lupus, a relentless autoimmune disease, found its way into her life. Additionally, she was struck by a severe blood infection that bore pre-leukemia symptoms necessitating frequent and draining blood transfusions. However, previously, in this dark chapter, a divine entity gave Tiffany a glimpse of truth and hope. The angel Gabriel revealed that Lucifer's malignant influence was the underpinning cause of the horrifying series of events we had been enduring. But the celestial messenger also brought hope, assuring Tiffany that the relentless attacks were ending and the divine safeguard was forthcoming. In line with the angel's prophecy, once Lucifer's influence was cast away, a cascade of miraculous breakthroughs followed each one, a beacon of hope after a long and dreadful night. This transformation began a new chapter in our lives, where we were finally free from the tyrannical clutches of the evil forces that had previously tormented us. The following week, through a divinely orchestrated encounter, I met a landlord who offered me an apartment, a bait small and modest, without requiring a down payment or deposit. In addition, he granted me the first month's rent for free as a token appreciation for my military service and even gave me a $300 discount on the monthly rent. And just like that, our troubles came to an end. On the milestone three days after my 30th birthday, September 26, 2015, a day already brimming with celebration, I found myself in the throes of an anticipatory excitement. As part of the festivities, Tiffany's family, her mother, two sisters, her brother, sister-in-law, and a close friend, and meticulously planned a birthday party for me. The venue was a charming Oceanside tri-food restaurant chosen for its ambient charm and the serenity of the sea, a perfect setting for the unforgettable event I had in mind. As the evening unwrapped itself, 
The air was filled with laughter and cheer with everyone blissfully unaware of the surprise I held close to my heart. My heart pounded in my chest like a drum echoing with the rhythm of anticipation. In the middle of the jubilations, I found the perfect moment when Tiffany's laughter was at its brightest and her eyes were happiest. Then I took a deep breath and went down on one knee. Pulling out the engagement ring, a physical symbol of my emotional commitment, I proposed to Tiffany. Her initial expression was one of surprise that swiftly transformed into profound joy. Overwhelmed, she accepted with tear-filled eyes, her radiant smile outshining the sparkle of the diamond on her finger. The announcement caused a wave of joyous cheer among our loved ones. Their collective happiness mirrored our own, lending an even more unforgettable charm to the evening. The occasion celebrated my birthday and the beginning of a new chapter in our shared journey of love and faith. The following Sunday marked another significant milestone in Tiffany's spiritual journey. Amidst the vibrant festivities of our church's summer outreach event, she publicly affirmed her faith through baptism. Anointed with sacred intent, Tiffany was immersed in a makeshift dunk tank, an act symbolizing her rebirth and purification. Her radiant smile and the sparkle in her eyes as she emerged from the water were a sight to behold. In the week that followed this transformative event, we visited the hospital for a routine checkup concerning Tiffany's persistent blood infection. With a sense of trepidation, we awaited the results, only to be swept away by the miraculous news. The malicious infection that once tainted her blood had vanished, leaving no trace behind. It was as if a divine hand had swept through her body, cleansing it. Moreover, her lupus, the debilitating autoimmune disease that had tormented her for so long was healed. And perhaps most miraculously, the torment of her nightly epileptic seizures had ended. To this day, Tiffany remains seizure-free, a testament to the divine intervention that saved her. On the 26th of February 2016, precisely five months from the day of our engagement, we joined our lives in holy matrimony. The joy that filled our hearts that day is still fresh in my memory, a beacon of our love and shared faith. In the years that followed our marriage, there was a remarkable change in the spiritual climate of the United States. The evil shadow that Satan had once cast seemed to lift. It was as though the demonic entity had been forcefully expelled from the nation, flung into the cold, unforgiving expanse of the Atlantic Ocean. For three subsequent years, the land experienced a respite from his wicked influence, a period of divine peace and tranquility that was a welcome change after the relentless spiritual onslaught. However, as we would later learn, this period of seeming tranquility was the calm before the storm. In 2020, our world would again be plunged into turmoil, but this time we were ready. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this broadcast and this reading and the conclusion of this two-part series. Now, as I mentioned in the first broadcast, I will be releasing another reading in a three-part series on the first three chapters of my new book, The Northeast Coast Prophecies, over the coming days. So if you would like to stay updated on the release of this book or any new teachings, publications, or videos, just head over to our site. From there, you can subscribe simply by email. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast channels wherever you listen to or on our YouTube channel as well and stay up to date. As always, guys, stay encouraged. Keep running your race. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Never lose hope and never give up. Thank you.